I have no need of you. That's said twice in this passage of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. I have no need of you. Maybe it sounded different to you as you heard it come out of your own mouth. I have no need of you. Such an attitude is one that we take often when a misunderstanding or a difference gets to a place where we don't know how to move forward. And one option that we might consider as we're faced with our lack of clarity is to say something like that. I have no need of you. I feel like this is a common um, option in our culture, that people reach for that when there is strife. We hear about it in our political arena. We hear about it in exchanges on the Internet. It's something that people say to members of their own family. I have no need of you. Indeed, it can be frustrating when we don't know what to do with the other. But Paul points out in his, in his letter to the Corinthians that to say, I have no need of you, doesn't take care of the problem. You all know from being people, having a body, because that's what we have, that you really can't cut off part of yourself. Even if you were able to just cut your hand off because it was problematic, the rest of your body would compensate for the fact that you didn't have that hand. Indeed, if you've been through any physical ailment in the recent past, maybe had surgery or something didn't work like it usually does, you know that your body has compensated to cover for the thing that needed to recover to be fully functional again. Paul is reminding us of our interconnectedness. He is calling our bluff on that answer, I have no need of you. He's pointing out that that really isn't an option, as handy or maybe even as desirable as it may be when we're faced with misunderstanding or just sheer frustration at the difference. Jesus is reminding us of this as well, our interconnectedness. Some of you might remember that Michael, my husband, taught in Bridgeport last year at a public school there. And he was reminded of the severity of difference that can happen just within a 20-mile distance from, from one another. He was struck on the first day when he came home, and we said to him, how was your day? And he said, there was no soap, no toilet paper, and no paper towels in the bathroom. What? No soap, no toilet paper, and no paper towels in the bathroom? This was the first of many days where each story seemed to be more unbelievable than the one before. There were times that I would say, how was your day? And he would say, don't ask. The system was so broken that it was impossible for anyone to get up. It seemed that with every attempt, people were knocked down again. And this was supremely frustrating to him. He'd always thought that he could make a difference just by his sheer efforts. And to be in a system that couldn't allow his efforts to be fruitful was discouraging. 
Indeed, we are living in the same world as those young people there. We might want to say, I have no need of you, and yet we can't, because we are in the same community. The things that happen there affect what happen here, happens here and around our globe, just as what happens here affects what happens there. We are all interconnected. It was interesting because when he would tell these stories, like I said, we were full of disbelief. And um, when at our family table, we do have um, a prayer time that happens ahead of time. We take turns with each person taking their turn to pray. A prayer that's grown up around the table was developed by one of the kids somewhere along the way. It says, we thank you that we have food, family, friends, shelter, and a good education. Now, this litany has become so familiar that it's now prayed kind of like an auctioneer might say it. Thank you for food, family, friends, shelter, good education. (laughs) But one of our kids said, as they heard Michael's story, that has a different meaning to me now. We are a part of the same body, the human body. We are interconnected, and we can't ignore that. Jesus brings this truth to those that hear him in our gospel lesson today. He goes into the synagogue, and the scroll is chosen and handed to him to read. He opens it and finds that passage right there in front of him. I have come, it says. I have been anointed to bring the good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus sits down in the seat where he will then teach. And he says to them, Today these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. What's that? If Jesus has come to fulfill these words, to help the poor, to liberate the oppressed and those that are in captivity, what does that mean for us as followers of Jesus? What does that mean for us who claim to carry Christ into the world? What do we do to reflect who Jesus is? Jesus had social ills in his day as well. There were people who were considered beyond reach, that were pushed beyond reach. I have no need of you. But Jesus reminded his listeners then, as he reminds us now in the words that have been passed on of his for thousands of years, that he has come to attend to those very people, to the needs of the poor. There are always poor people, and Christ comes among them, helping to liberate them from those things that are oppressive and hold them captive. As followers of Jesus, we are charged to do the same, to consider how it is that we live this good news of Christ in the world. None of us can do it alone. We can only do it as the body. We can only make a difference as the body of Christ in this world. 
Trinity Institute held a conference this past weekend. They hold one every single year. It's out of Trinity Church Wall Street. I'm proud of Trinity Church Wall Street because they use what they have to the best that they can. They're old and beautiful. They have a very great location. They have a lot of money. And they use that platform to try to bring some light into things that maybe we aren't as um, able to do. This past weekend, they were looking at systemic racism and were able to bring some speakers to engage in that conversation, people that none of us could afford to invite here or even to be in a close proximity with. But Trinity Wall Street, through their institute, does this every year. The first speaker for this conference was our presiding bishop, Michael Curry. He gave the homily at the opening Eucharist. And the title of his sermon was this, Before You March, Meditate on the Life and Teachings of Jesus. He was reminding the listeners on that Thursday night that it is in our actions that we are living out the life and teachings of Jesus. And we must know those and be empowered by those in order to carry the good news into the world. This phrase that he was giving to people was from a little one-page information sheet that was handed out in the early marches of the Civil Rights Movement. There were some instructions on this page, each one given to those who showed up to be a part of it. And the first instruction was this. Before you march, meditate on the life and teachings of Jesus. Christ has come to bring good news to the poor, to the poor, to help the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he has trusted us with this message. He's asked us to remember that together we can be the fullness of who he is in the world. We can carry this gospel message out. He invites us to believe him, to believe that the scripture is fulfilled in him as he is made known in us. Amen.